Masechet Kiddushin Dafnun Tet, a new pedic, the third pedic of the Masechet. Haomel Lachavero Sevek Kadesh Li Isha Pelonit. A person tells his friend, Would you do me a favor, be my Shaliach, and go deliver Kiddushin to this particular woman on my behalf? And the Shaliach, instead of doing his messengership on behalf of the sender, he goes and he gives his own money to this same woman. And uh, says, Aret Mikudeshet Li. So this is not a very nice thing of the messenger to do. But nevertheless, once he does it, he, she is Mikudeshet to the messenger. That's the second guy, not to the sender. And you have a similar um, end result if one a man A uh, tells a woman, You're, uh, you should be Mikudeshet to me in 30 days. I'm giving you this item now, but the Kiddushin will take effect in 30 days. Uh, it's not a good idea because then in the meantime, someone else comes along within the 30 days and gives her Kiddushin. So she is not yet Mikudeshet to the first one and therefore the second one takes effect and the first guy loses out. And uh, the Kiddushin for the, to the second guy in both of these cases is 100% Kiddushin. So much so that if she is a Bat Yisrael and the second guy, the messenger here, or the guy who comes after, uh, before the 30 days, the second guy, if he's a Kohen, she can eat Terumah. In other words, the first guy is totally out and she's 100% married to the second guy without any doubt. Now, next case, Mershav Ul Achar Shiloshim Yom. Man A tells her, tells her you are Mikodesh uh, to me from now and after 30 days. Now, this is an um, ambiguous statement. We don't know what he means by this. Now, is it now or 30 days? So, we end up having a doubt. And if in the meantime, now, if nobody, nothing happens before 30 days, so then whatever he meant, either now or 30 days, the Kiddushin will be valid. But if someone comes within 30 days, now we don't know what to do. We don't know if he really meant Achshav, um, and so she's Mikudesha to the first guy, or if she, he really meant 30 days, and in that case, she, she's married to the second guy. And so therefore, the Kiddushin from both the first and the second is Safek, so she is she has to be stringent, all the stringencies of being married both to the first and both to the possibility of, of, of being married to the second. Therefore, Bat Yisrael Kohen or Bat Kohen Yisrael, Lo Tochal If she is a Bat Yisrael and uh, one of these guys is a Kohen, she cannot, she cannot eat uh, Tirumah because she doesn't know if she's really married to them. Or if she's a Bat Kohen and now one of these guys is a Yisrael, she may, uh, she also cannot eat Tirumah because maybe she is married to one of them. Um, and now even though she's a Bat Kohen in her father's house, she could eat Tirumah. But if she's married to one of them now, it's a Yisrael, so she can. On the other hand, maybe she is not a Bat, she is not married to one of them or either of them or one, some, one of them. But we don't, if one of them is a Kohen, one of them's not. Um, so no matter what the situation is, uh, she will not be able to eat Terumah because she is in a doubtful case. Okay, Gemara, HaMelech HaVero Sevek Kadesh, Tana Masha Asa, Sui Ela Shahan Shenahag Bo, Minhag Ramaut, in the first case where the messenger preempts and says, well, you know what, I kind of like this woman my, for myself, and then doesn't do what, his send, what the sender asked him to do, but takes the woman for herself, for himself. 
what he did his 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 uh, act is a legal act and the second guy this messenger is married to him to her but what he did is a deceitful act and it's not a very nice thing to do and in fact even from the wording of the mishnah says where he went and did it to himself in other words he did something with a purposeful intent that is bad intent that's the extra vehalach. He goes and he didn't do what he was supposed to. Instead, he acted in this deceitful way. So this is not a proper way to act. Even though he did it, so legally it is an act of kiddushin. Now, just a language question. How come in this, our Mishnah, it says someone who tells his friend. Now, he's appointing his friend as a messenger, but he uses the word friend. Whereas in uh, in uh, Mishnah that we learned in the previous chapter, uh, this is regarding someone who asks his shaliach, it says here, calls him agent, not friend. Um, and this is the case where he says, go and do Kiddushin for me in this place. And then he goes and finds her in a different place and does Kiddushin in a different place. And we said that's not valid because maybe he wanted it specifically to be in this place. Okay, so why use different language? In our Mishnah, we call them Haver, and over there you call them shaliach. And the answer is So we're learning in uh, in a novel law in each case, um, uh, both both here and there. We'll start with here. Uh, if it said it's shilucho, uh, in this case that the person's an agent, then I would have thought uh, only uh, if it's an agent, that's when we call him deceitful. Because when you appoint someone specifically as an agent, like a, you know, a hired professional, so then the sender is relying on him that you're going to do exactly what I say. And then you don't go do what I say. Instead, you take this woman for yourself. So there we would call him a Ramai because this is he was specifically appointed just as a Shaliyah. But I might have thought that if it's a friend, even though he's actually he's appointing him, but he's uh is he is appointing him as a Shaliyah, but he, he he's also a friend, and so since he's a friend, so he's not relying on him uh, as much like a professional agent, but rather kind of like a favor. So I might say maybe we should not call him a deceitful scoundrel, um, because uh, he would just did it as he was just going as a friend in the first place. So therefore it uses Chaved here to teach me not so. Even if a guy is not doing it as a professional, but rather only as a friend, and he goes and takes it for, for himself, that's also called a scoundrel. Not, not a nice thing to do. And also there, And in the other case, in the previous pedic, if it said a friend, and we say it's not the kiddushin is not valid, I would have thought maybe with a friend where you say, listen, can you do me a favor and go to this such and such a place and do kiddushin? So there, when the friend goes to a faraway place, the kiddushin is not valid because the sender figures uh, he's not going to bother himself uh, to go all the way there, and I'm not assuming he will, and I'm not sending him to a faraway place. So I only sent him to go to the close place because he's acting as a friend, and then he goes and went to the went to the other place. I never authorized him to go to the farther place, and so uh, that would make sense why 
when it's a chaver, the kiddushin is not valid. But if I get someone to be a shaliach specifically, to do it, go do it professionally, not simply as a favor, so then uh, we would assume that when he says, go to this place, he's giving him a suggestion. Listen, she's probably in this place, so go there. But he expects, the sender expects the messenger even to go far away because uh, he has to do it. It's not just doing it as a favor. I'm, I'm appointing you to be a specific shaliel. Don't do anything else. Go concentrate on this. And so in that case, maybe the kiddushin would be valid because the sender expects the messenger even to go far away and therefore kamashmal. And that's why in that case, it wants to teach us a, this novel law that even if you say uh, uh, um, to, um, uh, to, to call him a messenger, and send him, and where you might think to expect that he can go to a faraway place. No, even there, uh, he means uh, he, he means it should be. I want it only in this place and not in the other place. And the kiddushin is not valid. Now we have a couple of stories. Ravin Chasida Azil Kiddushele Liteta Kiddushele Nafshe Ravin Chasida. Okay, we know he's a Hasid. He goes and did kiddushin on behalf of his son. Um, so that's what he was going to do. Um, but in the end, he got there. His son is at home, and you know, he's, uh, the father is acting as a messenger for his son. And in the end, he does take Tatz Kiddushin to the woman for himself. He takes this, this bride for himself instead of for his son. So, How could Ravin the Chassi do that, um, even though it's, a val- it's valid? Um, legally, but still, this is a deceitful uh, thing to do uh, to his own son, and he's a chassid. And so, how, why did he do that? The answer is, he tried to give it to, to marry off his son to this woman, but the family did not agree. No, no, we don't want your son. Uh, if it was you, we would agree, right? You're a great uh, chassid. We would marry, uh, she, she would, she would agree to marry the father, but she didn't agree to marry the son. Okay, still, the father should have went and told us, let the, let the son know. Is that very nice? You come home and say, oh, listen, I took her for myself. He should wait. Come home. Listen, son, uh, you know, he, she, she doesn't want to marry you. Do you mind if I uh, marry her? Uh, you should go tell him first. And the answer, why didn't he do that? He says, listen, by time, he was thinking, by time I go home and tell my son, listen, she doesn't want you. Would mind if I marry her? And then she goes back. In the meantime, she's going to go get married to someone else. She was, uh, you know, she was uh, well sought after. Uh, she had a lot of suitors and he didn't want to wait. Uh, otherwise, he would lose her. So that's why he did acted in that way. Now, a similar case, but now at this time regarding land. Rav, the great first generation Amora, he says, could you do me a favor? You're going to this place. Can you buy land for me? Here's a right, here's thousand dollars. Buy that land for on my behalf. Azal Rav goes and buys it for himself. I mean, this is not a not a not a nice thing to do at all. It's like if you hire a lawyer, you know, can you go close this deal for me? And the lawyer goes and takes the deal for himself. He, he steals your idea, steals the land. I mean, this is not very good. How could Rav do such a thing? Don't we have a brayta that okay, even if it's a valid valid legally. Still, this is a deceitful thing to do. And the answer, similar to the answer in the previous one, is that the land was in a valley, and there were some of these violent men there. And these violent men, they respected Rav. 
and they were willing to sell him the land, but they did not uh, uh, risk, give respect to the Baba Barhana, and they would not have sold him the land. So Rav when he tried, he says, listen, okay, you know, buy it on behalf of Rabba Barhana. They said, who is that? They were not, we're not selling it to him, but Rav, they did. Okay, now Rav, out of courtesy, should have gone back and said, listen, they don't want to uh, sell it to you, uh, but they're willing to sell it to me. Do you mind if I take the deal? I mean, ask permission first. Why don't you do that? Because here also, he Rav, um, figured that by the time he goes and tells Rav Barchanan and comes back, the land will be go to someone else and they'll lose out on this good deal. Rav Gidel, next story. Rav Gidel, he was checking out a certain piece of land. Right, he already did all the work to see is good land or whatever. And so uh, he was ready to buy it. In the meantime, Rabbi Abba swooped in and bought it right under his nose. Not nice. Azal Rav Gidel Kable So Rav Gidel, who was has his intention was to buy the land, he went and submitted a complaint to Rabbi Zera against Rabbi Abba. Azal Rabbi Rabbi Zera didn't want to deal with it himself, so he uh, sent it up another level, uh, sent the complaint to, to Rav Yitzchak Napacha. said, let's wait until Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba is the one that swooped in and did this mean thing, let's wait till he comes uh, to us on the holiday. Apparently the uh, students and uh, co- uh, colleagues and students would come to the rabbi uh, during the holiday to come visit. Um, and to learn, and maybe before the holiday, to study the halachot. And so, so wait, wait till he comes. I don't want to, you know, um, intervene just yet. And so they wait. Now you understand why he wanted to wait. He wanted to ask him a, uh, an indirect question, kind of like Natan Hanavi asks David HaMelech. So, uh, so Rabbi Yitzhak Napacha says to Rabbi um, Abba, um, if you had a poor person, and he's He's trying to get a loaf of bread. Poor, poor person, and all he has maybe is one penny. He's, he's get, trying to get a loaf of bread, and another, someone else comes and grabs it from him. What would you say about that person who grabs it? That's a terrible, a wicked person. You have to grab a loaf from a poor person. And so the Bishakwa says, you did that. Why why did you do that? Why did you steal the uh, land from uh, Rav Gidel? He was trying to buy it. The said, says, I didn't know. I went, I bought it. I didn't know that Rav Gidel already was speculating on it and Sheikh had plans to buy it. If I knew, I would not have bought I would not have bought it. So he apologized. Okay, Hashtanam so the Bishak Nabakha says, okay, well then give it to him now. Uh, right? You should you should sell it to him. So Rabbi Abba said, listen, I'm not going to sell it to Rabbi Rav Gidel because this is the first land I ever bought. It's not good luck to sell the first land that you buy. So I'm not going to sell it to him, but I'm happy to give it to him as a gift. 
I did not realize that he was checking it out at the time that I bought it and he has totally right and so I don't want to take it from him I'll give it to him as a gift I just don't want to sell it because it's bad luck so it seems to be is going above and beyond he didn't do anything wrong he didn't know and he's happy to give it away for free however who did the who uh, complained in the first place he did he would not accept it as a gift because pasuk says he waits gifts shall live it's not good to take a, take a, take a gift then you you know you owe the person something he wants to buy it outright so davgidel insists on buying and paying for it rabbi uh, abba insists on giving it away and they could not agree. Rabbi Abba la nachitla mishum dehapich ba Rav Gidel. Rabbi Abba would not go and, and use the land. He would not uh, grow things on the land because Rabbi Rav Gidel uh, first wanted to acquire it. And so Rabbi Abba says he has the right to it. And I want to give it to him. I will not use it. Lo mor nachitla, lo mor nachitla, v'mitkera ariad rabanan. Rav Gidel would not also not use it because he refused to accept the gift. He would only pay for it. So neither sage used it and ended up being empty. And it was called the land of the sages. Um, so we see from their fight, it's a fight, but each one is trying to be more uh, giving and, uh, to the other. And so their fight was kind of like when you go to a restaurant and, you know, no, I insist on paying. And the other says, I insist on paying. And they keep fighting. And the waiter is like waiting there, right? And um, no, nobody will let the other give a credit card. And so here it shows how um, the great generosity of each of the rabbis and that they wanted to make sure that the only the other one had it and would not take it for themselves. It was just a misunderstanding to begin with. Uh, okay, so Mishnah uh, goes on to say if uh, a second case. If a man says, be mikudesha to me after 30 days, and another guy swoops in before 30 days, she's married to the second guy. Now, what if nobody comes within the 30 days? So then, what will be the law? So Rav Shmuel agree that she's mikudesha to that first guy even though the original coins that she gave him are already used up she he gave him he gave her uh you know uh, um uh, whatever a uh, hundred dollars on day one and say here be mikudesh to me with this uh, hundred dollars in 30 days now you might have thought it only takes effect in 30 days so maybe she has to have the money there on, on that 30th day but what if she uses it up and so Rav and Shemuel says, it's still okay. She, even though she used it up, whatever she did with it, still, she the Kiddushin takes effect in 30 days. Why? The reason it works is because this money is not like a loan and is also not like a deposit. If it was either a loan or a deposit, the Kiddushin would not be good. So this is not like either of them and therefore it is good. How is it different? If it's a picadon that the man says, here, can you hold on to this $100 for me? Not as Kiddushin, right? He just says, can you watch it for me? And afterwards, he comes back 30 days later and says, you know what? That $100 that you had, let it be for Kiddushin. If she loses it in the meantime or uses it or it got stolen or whatever and it's not around, the Kiddushin is not good because Pikadon is in the hands in the owner's possession, right? That's the man. And if if it gets lost or used when it's when she is holding on to it, so the owner, it, that's the owner's property. And 
so therefore, uh, when he comes in 30 days and says, with that money that I had given you, yeah, but it was always his, and now there's nothing, if it's gone, there's nothing left to give to her, so there's no Kiddushin because she's not taking anything that um, she doesn't, she never got the money. The money was given to her, not, it wasn't hers at that point, and now it's gone at this time. Whereas if he gives it to her as Kiddushin on day one, so it's hers, right? She, re- she received money, and that's fine. As long as she received money, it can take effect afterwards. That's totally good. And it's also not a loan. If the guy gives her a loan, here's $100 as a loan. So that is given to her for her to use for other purposes. She wants a loan so she can pay her electric bill. Okay, so she already used it up and paid her electric bill. And now when he comes later and says, oh, that, that, loan, that money that I gave you as a loan, I want it, let it be for Kiddushin. That's not valid. Uh, because that money was given to her, not as Kiddushin, but to pay the electric bill. She already used it up for that, so she's not receiving anything now. And that's why it's not good if it's a milveh. But in this case, since he gave it to her in the first place for Kiddushin, good. So until she, she received Kiddushin money, she can use it however she wants, even though it will take effect only after 30 days. That's perfectly valid. Now another question. Let's say, same case, the guy comes and gives her $100 on day one. He says, this will take effect in 30 days. She says, okay, she receives the money. Yes, I agree to the Kiddushin. But they're not Mikudeshit yet until day 30. In the meantime, she changes her mind and says, you know what? I, I changed my mind. I, I, I retract. I don't want to be married anymore. Now, they're not married yet, so is she allowed to retract? But on the other hand, she already agreed. So this is a machlok. says she can change her mind. One statement can uh, undo another statement. She said yes, a verbal agreement, and so a verbal retraction works, right? Verbal and verbal. Each one, it's as equal weight, so yes, she can retract. Rashi says, no, she cannot change her mind anymore. A second statement cannot nullify your first statement. You already agreed to it, that's it. You registered your agreement, and you can't undo it just with a second statement. Now we're going to have some challenges in both ways. This challenge is from a Mishnah in Masechet Terumot, that if someone sends someone else to go, here, go and separate Terumah from my grain over there. And so the guy is going, and in the meantime, the owner cancels and says, no, what? I, no I don't want you to do it. And now, if before the guy uh, separated the Tiruma, before the messenger separated the Tiruma, the owner already canceled it, then the, uh, and then he goes anyway and separates it, the, the separation is no good. So you see, this fits well with Rabbi Yochanan that says, uh, you can change your mind. The owner here said, be my shaliach to take Tiruma, and then he says, don't be, don't be my shaliach to take Tiruma, and sure enough, if he goes and does it, it's invalid. So that makes sense according to Rabbi Yochanan. But according to Rabbi Shakish, you just said that the Right here, this is also one statement after another, and yet what the second statement does undo the other. You just said that a second statement cannot undo a first statement, but here it does. How can you explain it? Explains. 
I agree. If it's just one statement and then another statement, I, I, I would agree. A second statement can undo a first statement, and that would be the case regarding Terumah. Kiddushin is different. What I meant to say uh, up here was that a statement, can, a second statement, cannot undo a first statement that's accompanied with an act. When he gives her Kiddushin, money on day one he's giving her money she accepts the money this is a legal act and she also agrees to it says yes i'll agree to marry you so an act plus a statement at first cannot be nullified by a mere statement after that's what Eshakish was saying that's his rule okay fine now a challenge a second challenge to Eshakish I'm going to ask you a question based on this year, here a new formulation, because this is equivalent to a case where a man sends a get to his wife with a messenger. Um, and uh, then he uh, he goes to the messenger and stops him and says, no, no, I don't want you to do it. Or he sends a second messenger after the first messenger and tells the mess and tells the messenger, listen, the get that I gave you, I'm canceling. So the law is, it is in fact canceled. The husband has a right to cancel the get that he already sent. Now, in this case, the husband giving the get to the messenger is an act. He's telling here, he's, he's actually giving it to him. That's equivalent to uh, giving money to the woman. Uh, where that's also, you said that, well, that that's an action. And so you can't do an action with a word. Yet over here, in this case, when the husband goes um, after the shaliach and says, no, no, I cancel. That's just a word. And so you see a, state, a verbal statement here has the power to undo an act. And uh, Resh Lakish, you just said that a statement cannot undo an act, like an act of, of giving money with Kiddushin. So how are you going to answer that? Shakish could explain that as long as the get does not get to her hands, it is in fact only uh, only words. When the husband gives the get to the <clears throat> to the agent, that's not a legal act. That doesn't effectuate anything. Rather, it's just it's just ver it's just words. Here, I authorize you to take this get and give it to and give it to her. So if he catches up with them with the um, agent and says, "I don't want I don't want you to do it," it's mere words that can uh, in fact undo words. And that's totally fine. It's not the same as a man giving a wife money uh, and a, a, a bride money and doing kiddushin where it's words and that's an actual action though that money that he gives her uh, will effectuate kiddushin in that case you cannot undo it in this case you can perfectly good answer have a challenge to the any vessels can become susceptible to tum'ah with thought. It works like uh, it works as follows: only a vessel that's a complete usable vessel that's done done uh, uh, ma uh, with manufacturing can man can become tameh. Um, if you have a uh, a pot or something that he's still working on, he's still forming it, he's still painting it, he's still shellacking it. 
it's not finished yet, then the it does not become Tameh. Now, when does what well, what's the final step when it becomes Tameh? It's when the artisan who's making it decides, you know what, it's done, right? I, I put my last uh, p- uh, paint on it, and he decides in his mind it's done. At that point, it goes from being unfinished to finished, and now it can receive Tum'ah. So, something becomes Tameh or susceptible to Tum'ah with just thought, Yet, it cannot be removed from that status unless you actually do something. Uh, let's say he decides, you know what, in his mind, I'm not done yet. I want to put some more stripes on it. Well, that's not enough. By just thinking that, it still remains susceptible to Tumah until he actually does something, starts actually painting it, uh, does something uh, to either make it unusable or now unfinished uh, with an act in order to make it no longer susceptible to Tumah. Or, if it actually did become Tameh, um, it remains Tameh unless he does something to it to make it unusable. So now it's no longer a finished uh, product, and then it, the Tumah gets removed. And so, what we have here is, Maaseh Mosi Miyad Maaseh, O Miyad Machshava. Machshava en Mosi lo Miyad Maaseh ve lo Miyad Machshava. An action, uh, meaning to uh, you know, changing the vessel, can undo both an action and a thought, even though you thought that it's finished. If you work on it again, that will undo that thought. But uh, just a thought does not undo not an action and not a thought. Meaning, if the artisan had a thought, you know what, I think it's I, I'm done with it, then that's it. Now it's susceptible to Tumah. And a mere thought cannot, a uh, uh, mere thought of, I, I want to work on it more, cannot undo it. That's a good proof for Resh Lakish. A challenge to the Biochanan, Bishlama Miyad Maase Lama Peka, De La Tedibum Batel Maase, Elim Yad Marshava Miha Tapek. And so that's why Resh Lakish asks, and it makes sense that Marshava, a thought, should not be able to undo an action because words cannot undo an action, but an action should be able to undo an action according to you, the Be'er Hanan. So, how you can explain this? And the answer is, Be'er Hanan can answer that when it comes to laws of Tum'ah, thought does count, and thought is like an action. And we see that from the statement of Rapapa. The Rapapa Rame, Ketiv ki hiten, Vekarinan ki yutan. Ha kesad. Pasukin vayikras is ki yutan mayim. If water is placed upon grain and then a, a dead shed falls on it, it becomes impure. So we learn from there that if you have, you know, fruit or grain or anything, that is just grows and did not become wet yet, then it's not susceptible to Tum'ah. And even if it touches a, a dead Sheretz, it will not become Tameh until it gets wet. Make, becoming wet makes it susceptible to Tum'ah. So now this word is curious because it, we read it Ki Yutan, but the same consonants can be read Yiten, right? And as an active verb or as a passive verb. So why? Ki Yutan dumyad ki Yiten, ma Yiten denichale, af Yutan denichale. Oh, if water is, goes on it by itself, if rains or a sprinkler goes on and it gets wet, passively, it only becomes susceptible if it's similar to Ki Yiten, someone doing it actively. If it's done actively, I went and pour water on it, that means I want it to get wet. And so too, even if water somehow gets poured on it, only if I wanted that to happen. So, if I have some uh, some grain or something outside, and I don't want it to get wet, and it rains on it, that does not become susceptible to Tumah, because I didn't want it. 
only if I want it to happen. So what do you see from here? That according to the Papa, thought um, is very significant when it comes to Tum'ah. It's so significant that in that case, it's like a Ma'aseh. And that's the reason why um, thought alone, that when I say I, I, I'm finished with this vessel, that alone is like an action and therefore cannot be done with just thought if I say, you know what, I'm not finished with the vessel. And so Rabbi Yochanan answers it that way. Okay, all that is inconclusive um, in either direction. Uh, but now we have an entirely a second version of that whole conversation between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shakish. Rav Zivid matneh lehashmatata aha vechen hi shenatna Rav Zavid says that in this machloket and conversation between Reshakish and Biochanan is actually on a later Mishnah that teaches if a woman uh, uh, gives permission to a messenger to go receive Kiddushin on her behalf from Mr. A, right? She tells someone, go get Kiddushin from Mr. A, right? I, 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 I authorize you. In the meantime, while they're on the way, Halcha, she goes and she receives Kiddushin from Mr. B. Now, what happens? Well, it depends on the order of events. If her messenger receives a Kiddushin first, then she is married to Mr. A. And But if she goes, she, her Kiddushin, the, one who, the woman who sends, to, sends it first, if she goes and get, receives Kiddushin from Mr. B first, then she, is, uh, then she is not married to Mr. A, but rather to Mr. B. Now, the, and we discussed this Mishnah. Okay, forget the complication of she going and getting, receiving Kiddushin for herself. Let's say, simple case, she sends a messenger to receive Kiddushin from Mr. A. And then uh, she changes her mind. Uh, and then uh, what, what's the law? Is she married? If she changes her mind before it's received, Mahu, says, Yes, she can change her mind. Rashakish says she's not. She can change her mind because she only authorized this, uh, uh, this by word. So a second word can come and undo the first word. Rashakish, however, says, No, she can't change her mind. She already agreed. And when she appointed this messenger to receive the Kiddushin, and so uh, she gave her word, and that's it. A second word cannot undo the first word. Now, in this version, you see, it's going to be something different because here it's from the woman's side, and she did not give this agent anything. She didn't give the agent uh, money or anything. This is different from the first version of this whole conversation, whereas the man who gives Kiddushin to a woman, and that's an action. So we won't be able to say over here for Rosh Lakish that um, a word can't undo an action. That's what Rosh meant over here. Rosh means as he says it. A word cannot undo a word. Okay, so now let's go through the exercise. And here we will come to a conclusive resolution. Uh, so back to the Mishnah in, uh, in Masechet Terumot, if someone says, go ahead and take uh, separate Terumah on my behalf, and so the guy goes, and in the meantime, the sender um, cancels it. If the uh, Terumah was not separated yet, 
then the Turuma is no good. So you see here that um, a second word can undo a first word. Challenge to the Shakish. No, here we're talking about a case where the owner, not only did he cancel with the word, he actually ran ahead. He separated the Tiruma himself from his pile. And there it's an action, right? That shows for sure. By doing it himself, he obviously doesn't want the agent to do it. That's what it's talking about. And an action can undo a word. But you're right, if it was only a word, then it wouldn't be able to. All right, Iti Shakish, we turn the tables. Bere Shakish can ask Rabbi Yochanan, This is the same as before. You have this vessel that you're working on, and it becomes susceptible to Tumah by deciding that it's finished. That's just a thought, but it cannot undo that status unless you actually do something to it. So we see here that action, doing something to it, can undo action or thought, but thought by itself cannot undo neither an action nor thought. I understand that action cannot undo, uh, that thought cannot undo action, but action should be able to do undo action, so, and that's, uh, but it doesn't here, so Rashkish says, it's good for me, but according to the Biochan Yud, Biochanan, why don't you say that a thought can undo a thought? So answers, when it comes to Tum'ah, thought is like an action. As by comparing Yutan to Yiten, the Papa derives that a thought is like an action, that even an action of produce getting wet is not considered making it susceptible to Tumah unless I have a thought that I wanted it to get wet. So you see that thought is as important an action when it comes to Tumah. So this is an exceptional case, and you can't learn from here to these other cases. And finally, Biochanan turns the tables once again against Resh Lakish and asks, If a man sends a get to his wife and then he changes his mind and he stops the shaliach or he sends another shaliach to catch up with the first shaliach and says that the get that I sent is cancelled, it is in fact cancelled. So you see that a word, a second word, can undo a first word. That's good for Rabbi Yochanan, and it's a conclusive uh, refutation of Resh Lakish. So there we go. In this version, Resh Lakish is in fact um, refuted. See, in the first version, also, we had to reinterpret Rishakish that he would say a word itself can undo a word, a word just can't undo a word and a um, and an action, right? So uh, really in both, according to both versions, uh, a word can undo a word. And so that's what we conclude. Uh, so we followed Biochanan, Rabbi's opinion, even in the first case, and even though in that case where you might say that his retraction, her retraction um, after within the 30 days should not be good because 
we should consider him giving her money like an action. And just a word cannot undo an action. Even in that case, we follow the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan that he, she can undo it, right? We, consider, we don't consider that action to be significant by itself. And, uh, and a word can undo a word. So halacha is like Rabbi Yochanan. Words can undo words. Good. Now, one last clarification here. We have two rules here. Uh, the halacha is like Rabbi Yochanan on the one hand, but we also have another rule. The halacha is like Rav Nachman. And Rav Nachman seemed to say, seems to say something different. The question was, let's say a, a husband gives a get to, to an agent, and then he ends up canceling the agent before he gets there. Now that get, can he use it again? with the same wife, no, he wants to change his mind again and he wants to give it. Can he use the same get or is it considered cancelled? Man says you can use it again. Rav Shesh says no, you cannot use it again, it's cancelled. And we say halacha is like Rav Nachman, which means that when he sends the second get, which means that according to Rav Nachman, it's not cancelled, even though he told the shaliach to stop, but he can use the get again. So you see that the second statement does not undo the first, and there's a challenge to Rabbi Yochanan, because Rabbi Yochanan who says that a second statement can undo, can, can cancel a first, according to that, the entire get should be cancelled, nullified, and should not be usable again. So how do we explain this contradiction? And we give a simple answer. It's true. In this case, he canceled the messenger. Yes, that he can do. And Rabbi Yochanan agrees, says, yeah, yeah, you can undo a message. I told you to do it. That's a word. Now I told you don't uh, deliver it. So that's another word, and a word can undo a word. But that's only um, canceling the agency. It's not canceling the get itself and uh, nullifying the get. That never happened. And so therefore, it can be used again. Adam Nachman very well can agree with Rabbi Yochanan that you can, can they, the, the agency is canceled, but the um, get is still usable because he never did uh, intend to or did cancel the get. We now go on and explain the next case in the Mishnah, if a husband says, here is the money from now, and you'll be Mikudesha to me in 30 days. So in 30 days, I'll be Mikudesha, nothing happens in between. But if someone else comes and swoops in and does Kiddushin within the 30 days, then she's Mikudesha to that second guy who swoops in. Rav said that Kiddushin to the other guy is forever. Which makes sense. Shmuel says something curious that the marriage to the second guy only lasts until the thirtieth day. But at, at the point of the thirtieth day, the mar- the marriage to the second guy goes away, and she uh, finishes the marriage to the first guy. He said the first guy gave her kiddushin first and said it'll take effect in thirty days, um, and then so once the thirty days comes. That comes true, and the second guy somehow goes away. Now, how does that work exactly? How, if your kishiv has full kiddushin to the second guy, how does it all of a sudden just disappear? Right? What's the what's the mechanism? Just because the thirty days came, yeah, but she was married to the first guy um, that whole time, so she can't just, just can't just go away. She remains married to the first to the, that kiddushin sheni um, forever. Right? There's no mechanism for it to go away. How can you explain Shemuel here? 
kashale, Raviuda, Sefamat Nila, Velaka Kashiale. Ravi Sef, I have a solution. See, you're applying this machloket, Rav and Shemuel, to that case of the Mishnah, but Rav Yehuda applies it to the last case of the Mishnah. Oh, that, and then it makes more sense. What was the last case when he says, Machshav ul achar yom vechule? The husband says uh, to the, the man says to the woman, You are a Mikudeshet to me from now and after 30 days, which makes no sense. We don't really know what he means. In that case, it makes sense to, to um, have a machloket. Um, and the Mishnah said, Mikudeshet v'enam Mikudeshet, Safek. Amara Mikudeshet v'enam Mikudeshet, the Olam, she'll be in this case of, uh, in the state of Safek forever. She'll have to receive a, a get from both of them. So, because it's never going to be resolved, we don't know if you meant from now, or if you meant in 30 days. If you meant from now, she'll be married to the first guy. If she meant after 30 days, and someone else swoops in, she'll be married to the second guy. But we don't know what means. Shemuel says this state of being uncertain only lasts until the 30th day. Once the 30th day comes, then the marriage to the second guy goes away and she is married to the first. Now, we can explain this much better for this scenario. Rav wasn't sure when he says now until for 30, and, and 30 days, is this a condition that meaning you, uh, you are married to me from now as long as I don't change my mind within 30 days. I, I'm giving my, myself a 30-day uh, uh, return policy. Um, I change my mind. But I want the Kiddushin to happen from now. Either he meant that or he was changing his mind and saying, I want you to get married now. No, no, forget it, 30 days. Now, since Adav is not sure what he meant by that, if it's the Tanai and he didn't change his mind, so then it would be married from, from the first day she's married to man one. If she meant, if he meant, uh, if he changed his mind, man one changed his mind and said, no, no, I don't want 30, I really want 30 days. Then the second guy who comes and swoops in would be the guy who wins her and she's married to the second guy. But we don't know. And this doesn't get resolved after 30 days. We don't know forever what he meant. So she remains in a state of limbo forever. However, Shemuel said, he, he understood this as a condition, simply as a condition. And therefore, it's, it's a condition. So he says, from now, if I don't change my mind in 30 days. Now, we don't know if he's going to change his mind or not within 30 days. Therefore, when the second guy swoops in and gives her Kiddushin, so maybe she's married to the second guy um, uh, because the first guy will change his mind, or maybe not. Maybe he won't change his mind, and she is married to the second guy. We don't know. But once 30 days comes and uh, he doesn't change his mind, then retroactively, the first guy's Kiddushin is Kiddushin, and now she's no longer in the Sefek. She is only married to the first guy. So you see, Shemuel's opinion makes perfect sense. Good. Now, this Machlok between Rav and Shemuel happens to line up perfectly with a Machloket between two Tanaim. If a husband uh, says to his wife, here is a get, it applies from now and after death. Now, what does that mean? Is it now or is it after death? So according to Chachamim, it's both a get and not a get. It's a safek get. And so all the chumrot that you'll have to have with it, um, you know, in terms of Yibum and Chalitza and all that, will apply. We consider it that it is a get. And we also have to assume that it's not a get. 
So she'll have to get chalitza, for example, in such a case. Rabbi, however, says, it's a good get. It's totally fine, right? And what he meant by this is that um, I want this to be a get from now. And uh, once uh, once I die, it should retroactively work from now. Right? I don't want to be divorced from you right now uh, because I'm still alive. But if I should die, then retroactively, it will be a divorce because you can't give a get after death. And so the B says it's perfectly a good get. And so you see that Rav matches up with Chachamim, that it's a safek forever. And Shemuel matches up with Rabbi, that we consider this a condition. And once the person dies, and it is retroactively a get. And so too, once a person, after 30 days, and he didn't change his mind, then retroactively, the Kiddushin is valid. And so yes, we accept that it does in fact line up. So now we ask, to be since it lines up uh, um, so why is Rav stating as a, a new opinion as if he just made it up why didn't he just say halachas like Rabbanan and how come Shemuel doesn't say halachas like Rabbi why is he saying like a new halacha and the answer is Sidiqa no they had to say it as an independent halacha because they're talking about Kiddushin whereas the Tanaim are talking about Gitin and I might have thought that there's a difference between them Shmuel Havai. If Harab would have said, Halachas like Rabbanan, that in the case of Get, when you say from now and after death, then it's a safek. I might have thought in that case where he is trying to send her away, that's why it's a safek. We're not sure what he meant. But if it's a case of Kiddushin, when he's trying to bring her near, he may very well agree with Shemuel that it's a Tanai and he wants a Tanai to, to be uh, uh, fulfilled as soon as possible. And so that's why he's saying from now, retroactively, I want to give myself 30 days to think about it. But if it does happen, I want it to happen from now. So he might have thought that maybe Rav thinks that halacha is like Rabbanan, forget, but for Kiddushin, it might be like Shemuel. So that's why Rav has to say, for Kiddushin, I think it's a, he, she's in limbo forever. And opposite, If Shemuel said, halacha is like Rabbi, uh, that's regarding a get, that it works works retroactively. I might have thought that maybe he only agrees with Rabbi regarding a get, because there is no such thing as a get after death. And so for sure he meant that this get should work retroactively from now. And that's why halacha is likely to be there, because it doesn't make sense to have a get afterwards. And so the get is a definite get. Once he dies, retroactively it works from now. But regarding Kiddushin, it's perfectly valid to give Kiddushin after 30 days, so he might he, he might agree with Rav because that's a that's a um, uh, it makes sense to say either uh, now or 30 days, and so maybe he changed his mind and said uh, first he said now he says no you know I, forget it I only want it to be in 30 days, so maybe we might think that he agrees with Rav if he only says halacha could be, and that's why Shimon had to say. No, regarding Kiddushin also, um, I, I think it's the same thing, that it's definitely a Tanai, and he wants it to happen right away, um, if, if he doesn't change his mind within 30 days. But that's it. Once the 30 days passes, then it's definitely a good Kiddushin, just like Rabbi says, it's definitely a good get. So now we understand why they each had to say their own formula, even though they do, in fact, match up to the Machloket Tanaim. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.